Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is more than just a podcast. Podcast. Take two. We've had some technical problems without George tonight. And uh, we lost about 30 minutes recording. So if we chuckle to ourselves where we say things again, please bear with us. Uh, but uh, I'm here tonight um, in Thames Ditton. Uh, I was in a basement. I'm no longer in a basement because my internet cut out. So um, hopefully it won't do that again. Um, but with us tonight is Nigel. I would imagine you're in your shed, aren't you? I'm in, I'm in my shed. Yeah, in my shed. In my shed. I'm in my shed. He lives and, in and where Syria, do you where do you talk from? Is it is it deepest darkest Essex? It's not deepest darkest Essex. It's uh, it's very near to the Furrock crossing. All right. So just outside the M25, I live about hundred yards across the M25. But you're a proper Cockney, aren't you? Because you were born in the sound of Bow Bells, weren't you? Barking boy. Uh, shut up, Barking Boy. Uh, Plasto Boy. <sighs> Plasto Boy, yeah. Well, it's not within the sound of Bow Bells. Um, so, because I think we've done this before, that the Bow Bells is at the bottom of Bishop's Gate, St Mary Le Bow, I believe. And the, the wind travelled as far as uh, um, Stratford uh, up until about the 1880s. The sand could be heard up to Stratford, and then all the buildings they started building blocked blocked out the sand. So, to be fair, to be a proper Cockney born within the sound of Bow Bells, I think about only Whitechapel Hospital can probably make that claim, and that'll be at a push. Anyway, you're in your shed. Uh, what are you watching? I'm I'm watching uh, a 201 West Ham's great goals that started with 1980 and I'm now up to 1990. Stuart Slater is about to score. Goal. There you go. Oh, no, Georgie crossed it with George Paris to score. Uh, Chicken George has got one. Uh, Ian Bishop is about to score against Aldershot. This is a good goal, this. He's going to crack this in a minute. 
There we go. Bang. In the back of the net. Thank you very much. Peter Rucker in goal, for those that remember him from QPR, for all the shot that night. I think we won the so, game 6-1. So Excellent. Excellent. Probably more exciting than talking about the baggies. John, where are you? What are you doing? I'm still here in my loft, and I'm talking to you. Actually, we were talking with Nigel and discussing them, the merits of uh, David Kelly. Was he really as bad as we remember him to be? Yeah. So we were. I've just watched him score some good goals. So I'm thinking, you know, he, he, he was good. He was pucker. He's not up there. He's not a my eager, is he? You know, or, or a Mido. No. <laughs> he's sort of. He's sort of. He's not a Mark Boogers. Off the top of my head, I think he got about twelve or thirteen that season. We went down. Even though that is off the top of my head, so. Well, that that's quite a good scoring record if you think about any of yeah, our strikers days. lately. Yeah, when was all right? Here's a bit of trivia for you. When was the last striker to score thirteen goals for West Ham? Thirteen. What in yeah. one season? Thirteen or more. What in one season? Thirteen or more. Uh, did Colton not do it in the Championship? Or are we only talk the Premier League? I don't know. This you're the you're the the the. I, uh, I think the Colton. I think Colton got more than that in the Championship. Harewood. How many did Andy Carroll get in his first season? Did he? Did he no, ever? No, he got 13? about nine or ten. Right. So it's Carlton Cole, a last person to get thirteen or more. How about in in the top flight in the Premier League? Was top that flight? John like Artson, ninety seven, ninety eight, got twenty four goals. I think nineteen in the league. So what you're saying is for ten over for 20 years we haven't scored we haven't had one player that scored 13 goals or more in the top flight um, well, we might have done 13 but no, we've not had a 20 goal not 20 goal definitely not 20 goal not since Artson um, Morley right, well, while, think... while, you're, while we're watching this I want you to come and say who was the last player to score 13 goals in a Premier League season uh, by the end of the podcast. That's your little homework. Uh, and then everyone let us know whether Kelly was as bad as we remember him to be yeah, or not. Yeah, because I'm now, I'm watching this DVD. I don't, I don't think Kelly was as bad as I thought, to be fair. I think I've done him a disservice. Yeah, in history, in our minds... I think he used to run a bit awkward, didn't he? I just he think looked he, funny. Yeah. yeah. So I think we just don't have a great memory of the man. I think it's because anyway, we went down um, that season. It's not. I know it's not a history podcast, but it's not a history podcast. I was about to say that. Where, where's Where's George tonight, John? George is laughing at us. Holiday. I think. Yeah, he's he's asked us how it's going, and he's he's on holiday in Calador in Mallorca, Sean. And, and why is he there? He's there with his uh, girlfriend and he's returned there because that's where he's decided because they went there early on in their relationship to go there and he's just got engaged. He's asked her to marry him and they've just got engaged. Did she say yes? She did, yes. So congratulations to George and his future wife, Kath. Now, if I was organised, I'd have a little jingle going, congratulations, but I'm not, so, so we won't do that. And it's it's not an engagement podcast, but congratulations, George, uh, from all of us at more than just a podcast. Yeah, we'll have a minute. Shall we talk later. about some football? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't funny the first time. No, no, the first time. Give us something. Right. Give us something to celebrate on Saturday, won't it? You know, yeah, not about yeah, what happens. We can still raise a glass, can't we? 
Anyway, uh, as I said the first time, um, John, uh, can you feel the next 40 minutes of the podcast be talking about our game against the Baggies, uh, against the Hawthorns? Against the Hawthorns? Um, uh, no, at the Hawthorns, against <laughs> oh, the Baggies. Okay. Uh, um, I can't feel 40 minutes, no. But I can say it was a dour, drab affair and we didn't do... It wasn't very entertaining to watch, but, you know, it was a pretty average performance all round and the kind of thing you get when you're trying to build your defensive confidence because of our poor run before this game and you come up against a West Brom team that are just set up not to lose as well. So get those two things together, it ended up with a pretty dour affair, pretty crap game and, uh, yeah, nothing more to say really it's all you know no one done particularly outstandingly well but you know everyone done well enough not to lose the game but we just didn't have anything about us to score the goals or make the breakthrough unfortunately if i had to push you from your man of the match though uh, i think i settled on Mikel antonio because he always pleases the eye, I think, at the end of the day. I think his um, close ball controls improved. Beforehand, he used to sort of bundle through, but now he seems to be... Really, I think he's picked up his game. I think he's looking good. So that's two and a half minutes of the 40 minutes done. Um, Nigel? <laughs> yeah, it was rubbish, wasn't it? Come on, let's not beat about the bush. It was a dull game. It... it you're not going to play good football every game. We're not going to see it, you know, against West Brom. Getting a point against a Tony Pulis team could be deemed a success at times. But we did what we had to do away from home. We didn't concede. We didn't lose. We got a point. We're at the bottom three. Happy days. Let's move on. Yeah, well, I, I, I guess... Joe Hart summed it up when he said before the beginning of the game that this wouldn't be a game for football purists. And we, you know what you're going to get with um, Tony Pulis. You know, we know how he played at Stoke. Um, but I guess what surprised me was, here's a, game, here's a team playing at home, West Brom, and, and they didn't seem to want to win it. You know, they seemed to be playing for the draw more than us. And it didn't, you know, I couldn't imagine a more boring game. Um, and And... You know, that's not all fans who paid all their money to travel up to the Hawthorns. The the, the baggies seemed to leave early. Um, they they were leave, their fans were leaving early because they were fed up with the football as well. I, d I don't know who gained out of this. It certainly wasn't entertainment. There's no way, you know, the the TV companies would have picked this up and shown it. So well, someone, it was one of the dullest one, games I've ever seen. <laughs> one of the TV companies did because we all watched it on a live somewhere so somebody had who, who yeah who out of choice you can imagine that you know teams like i don't know who who in in america or australia was watching west ham um west brom well no it was just pretty but i mean the obiang attempt when it was pretty Only the mad americans that support west ham yeah that's a point you did mention this the obiang <laughs> the attempt. obiang attempt was was that would have changed the game wouldn't it if that had gone in and uh yeah and then the foul on Hernandez, was yeah. it? Was it a red card? I I thought at the time it probably wasn't a red card. I thought the ref got that right. 
to be fair, there was cover, defensive cover back, and the the foul in itself, I didn't think warranted a straight red. So, yeah. Well, let me just do the um, uh, stats. West Ham actually enjoyed sixty three percent of possession. Uh, which is amazing because they're away from home, which means Baggies had 37%. West Ham, nine shots, one on target. Baggies, six shots, one on target. Um, I'm surprised there was one on target apiece, but that just shows you how dull the game was. Um, I'm, I'm going to move on. Uh, on our first take, um, at, at the recording of the gaffer talking about the game, uh, was very quiet, and I think it's it's not going to do any justice with um, with George Way this week. I think we've got enough technical problems without trying to uh, show our gaffer clip. But what we did talk about last time, on moving on from such a dull game, is saying, should a team play attacking football? Are they there to entertain or just get results? I'm starting with you, John, because I know I've asked you this question before, so you'll be all ready to talk about it. Um should they be entertaining us? Should should Tony Pulis and his team and West Ham be entertaining this? Well, yeah, and I, we've said that, you know, well, we've said it, no one else has heard it. Um, there's, there's not a, a right for anyone to really, I don't think, to expect to be entertained as such because, you know, the, the, tr- the trouble is, well, historically, teams like our teams have played a certain way but we've kind of lost our way a bit over the last few seasons. And uh, it's become a case of the pressure of the money. It's all about staying in the Premier League. It's all about survival. Um, so until we get to a stage where we start campaigns and get comfortable quite early on, I don't think we're going to see fast-flowing entertaining football because the pressure's on, I'm afraid. It's all about the money. <sighs> We're not even allowed, like, are we, John, tonight? What do you want to do? Do you want to cancel it and give it a rest and put it out there due to technical issues? There won't be a podcast tonight. Well, we're not going to give out that easily. So this is take three, but it is me on my own, Sean, uh, recording the next day. Um, we had some technical problems. George is back next week. Hopefully we'll resolve all those technical problems. Although I like to think that these are external technical problems and not just because George is on, uh, not honeymoon, but on, on his engagement uh, holiday at the moment. Earlier today, I caught up with Barry Fry. And for those who don't know, Barry Fry is the director of football at Peterborough. Um, but he is also a manager under Gold, Sullivan and Brady at Birmingham. And he was sacked by them. So I thought it would be good to chat with him what it's like to be a manager, what it's like to be sacked under Gold, Sullivan uh, and, um, and Brady. And we welcome back to more than just a podcast. He's been a guest with us before. It's Barry Fry, now director of football. But he once was a manager at Birmingham under David Gold and David Sullivan. And we wanted to chat with him briefly um, about that experience. Um, Hi, Barry. Morning. (laughs) So, obviously, there's been a lot of talk in the papers about um, um, Gold and Sullivan and their management style. you survived uh, Golden Sullivan at um, at uh, Birmingham. Can you tell us what what the relationship was like with um, with Golden Sullivan and, and and how you survived? I think you got sacked in the end, didn't you? Yeah, I always get sacked, but I've always been friends with them. And um, you know, I was David Gold and David Sullivan's guest last week when uh, uh, we beat Huddersfield two 0 uh, and the atmosphere. 
at the new stadium was absolutely magnificent. We needed that win. We had uh, sort of three away games where we struggled a little bit, but um, it was just great to get three points. And I see they carried that on at the weekend when they went away to West Brom. Difficult um, game and got a point as well. So let's hope we've turned the corner. So what, what did you have to do to get the sack in the end? Because my understanding is they're not sackers, really. Um, they're not. If... No, they're, they're, they're very fair to their managers. Uh, they give their managers time. They back their managers. And, um, you know, they're very, very good to work with. I think the best thing is when they sack you, uh, you don't have to wait for your money or anything like that. They pay you straight up. They're, they're brilliant. And everybody knows in football that normally when a manager gets sacked, he has to fight and fight and fight for his compensation. And by the time he's took him to court and all that, wherever he gets out of it, it goes to the lawyers anyway. So they finish up with next to nothing. But um, when they sacked me the, the, the next day, they paid me everything and was very, very good to me. And uh, we, we've been friends ever since. I mean, they sacked me to bring in Trevor Francis. Trevor Francis was God at Birmingham City. So... I had the best two and a half years of my life working for them and Karen. Um, they was good, they was hard, but they was fair. So uh, did, did you know the second was coming? Did you have any showdown meetings where you were told you've got to win no, this many no, no, games? No, no, to be fair, I, I didn't see the sacking coming. Um, we, we'd done the double uh, the year before. Um, well, I took them to Wembley in the auto windscreen shield trophy final where we won in front of 78,000 people, 55,000 Blue Noses, which was a bigger gate than the FA Cup final that year with Liverpool in. Um, we got to the... Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. The semi-final of the Coca-Cola Cup. We'd beat, um, we'd just beat Aston Villa in the Birmingham Senior Cup. First time Birmingham had won the Birmingham Senior Cup for 17 years. So I just signed Marcus Stewart and Martin O'Connor and was going to a tribunal for both of them. So no, I didn't see the sacking come in, but um, 
when I did get the sack, uh, I, I, I told them that uh, thanks for a wonderful opportunity to manage such a big club like Birmingham City Football Club. And uh, those gentlemen and Karen turned that club round completely and took it to the promised land of the Premier League twice. And, uh, you know, when they took over at West Ham, it was a huge, huge, huge gamble. You know, I think they put 100 million in between them. When they got in, they found out that the previous owners had factored the season tickets for the next three years, so they had little or no income on that side. So they took a huge gamble when they uh, took West Ham over, but they'd always been in love with West Ham. They they had plenty of shares, but not enough uh, before they sold them and went to uh, Birmingham City. Um, I think they've done marvellous and West Ham fans are lucky to have them, to be honest. Uh, well, there, there seems to be a bit of anti-board feeling at the moment, which is strange to some, you know, after the, the bad start to the season. I know we've, we've, we've strung a couple of results together, but sort of seem to be blaming the board for not investing so much in the summer, despite us getting four signings. How, how do you rate them as, uh, as owners and, um, and a board? Um, from your experience. I think, they're, I think they're very fair as a manager. I used to go to them and I want this player, I want that player, it's going to cost this, it's going to cost that. You know, um, you have to put a good argument up to get them because they were saying, well, we haven't got this money, we haven't got that money, so how are we going to do it? But at the end of the day, if, if you put a good enough case up, they always come back to you and say, okay, we'll back you. Um, you, you know, they, they back me 99% of the time for to, to get, and, and as a manager, that that's brilliant. You just get your players in, and and, and get on with it. So I, I was very very surprised to to hear that uh, a small majority of West Ham fans had turned against the owners. I mean, what <laughs> they're lucky to have them. They wouldn't even have a football club if it weren't for Golden Sullivan and Brady. They wouldn't. They wouldn't have a football club. These guys are. Have worked very hard to get to get um, to where they are in the financial stakes, and they're willing to put it into West Ham United Football Club um, to get it out the shit it was in, and to, and to take it forward, which they have done. But it yeah. takes time, and um, I'm absolutely man. I'm not amazed. I mean, you always get some. Uh, Look, football's all a matter of opinion. So with West Ham Vast fans, you're going to have some against everybody, aren't you? So, um, but uh, uh, my advice to Gold Sullivan and Brady is take no notice whatsoever and carry on the good work you're doing for the sake of West Ham United Football Club. Yeah. Just out of interest, who actually does the deed when when a manager gets sacked? Is it is it Gold Sullivan or or uh, or, or Brady? Well, to be honest, none of them done it with me. Uh, I'd been sacked a fortnight and nobody had told me, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> jolly, jolly, you found jolly out in the media, Jack, you're married. Jack, no, no, Jolly Jack jo- uh, Wiseman sacked, sacked me in the end. Oh, he told me I was sacked a fortnight ago, but... Uh, yeah. Look, these things happen, football, yeah. and uh, like I say, I've been in football, I was lucky to be a manager for 32 years, and believe you me, I got sacked more than anybody, but uh, I enjoyed my life, never fell out with anybody, and... Uh, and, and I'm very proud to say that um, David Gold, David Sullivan and Karen are great friends of mine and I'm welcome at the stadium in London now whenever I can make it. Excellent. Last question. Um, there's been criticism 
of David Sullivan that really is a little bit out of touch as a director of football. He's, he's not the official director of football, but he does all the transfer business. He's a de facto um, director of football. What, what is your view? Because you are a director of football um, at Peterborough. Um, should David Sullivan bring in someone else to, to do that no. role? Or do you think he's no, got the skills? No, he's, David Sullivan's been in the game enough long enough, he's, he's got a good opinion, he's got a good knowledge of football. You won't get anybody more passionate or more committed than David Sullivan or David Gold in a quieter way. Um, so, like I said before, like I'll keep on saying, West Ham United fans are lucky to have David Gold, David Sullivan and Karen Brady. Excellent. Um, and we will be. You obviously were there for the Huddersfield game. How do, how do you think um, we got on? How do you think we're, we're fair this season? Well, I think um, uh, first, uh, I, I think there was only one side in it, and West Ham. Um, although they got a deflection for the opening goal, they thoroughly deserved it because they had many, many chances, and they should have been a two or three up at half time. But I was just delighted that they had a bit of luck for a change, and uh, they won the game. And, and uh, Andy Carroll made an appearance, he makes such a difference, you, you know, he's very, very dear, I was speaking to the Huddersfield um, uh, directors and uh, he, he's unplayable at time and unfortunately he's had too many injuries and missed too many games, so let's keep our fingers crossed and uh, hope that he uh, plays more games than he uh, normally does this season. Excellent, well thanks for being our guest on more than just a podcast and good luck at Peter for the rest of the season. Cheers, Thanks Barry. very much. God bless you. Bye. Cheers. Bye. So I could say, uh, what do you think about that then, John uh, or Nigel? Uh, but they're not here. So there's no one to talk to except me. So I guess the only thing to say is it's time for this. Yeah, it's time for a solo Facebook Twitter question time. Um, so let me get the Facebook up. Uh, Mike Hutchins says, looks like no ginger for a few months. Is it time now to see if he's going to play free at the back? Declan Rice. Um, well, we've got the Bolton game coming up. Um, I don't know. I, I, I would actually play Declan Rice just in front of uh, the centre-backs anyway. Um, and give him a go there um, in defensive midfield. But uh, we we will see tonight. Uh, by the time you listen to it, you might already know. Paul Sanders says, given that Billich was written off a week ago, if we beat Bolton and get something out of the Spuds game, do we consider Slav for the future, or is he a dead man walking regardless? Personally, while the Man U and Newcastle games weren't good, I thought the Newcastle game, uh, sorry, the Southampton game showed signs of encouragement. And with four points from the last two, I'm optimistic-ish. Um, personally, I think he's a dead man walking. I don't think he'd be offered a new contract. And therefore, um, I expect someone else to come in um, in the future. Um, I'm not sure what he has to do to save his job and, and be offered a new contract. But I guess never say never. Taffy Wallback says... If you did go to the game or watched it on live stream, can you confirm or deny <clears throat> that match of the day's highlights made West Ham or sort of made West Brom 
looked like an attacking side and not the defensive bore fest I've read on the forums. Yes, uh, I did watch a live stream. Uh, I didn't watch match of the day, actually. But I know, a bit like Big Brother, they can make it look a lot worse than it was. And you don't see the whole game. It was a, it was a bore fest. Um, and as we said on the stats earlier, each person had one shot, or each team had one shot on target. So um, to say um, West Brom looked like an attacking side is far from the truth. So yes, if Match of the Day did do that in the highlights, they were completely wrong. Sergei Norash says, what do you expect from tomorrow's game versus Bolton? Should we really go for it or should we use it as a possibility for the likes of Rice to prove themselves and gain some confidence? Well, uh, yeah, uh, we, we we need to win it, right? Let's make no mistakes. It's not just an experimental friendly. Uh, we need a little bit of a cup run to get some confidence back, get some pride back. So I don't see it as experimental um, and, and the chance for Rice to prove himself. I think he's proved himself at the top level anyway. I think he deserves his place. Obviously, Adrian will come in. Um, I think, um, you know, Noble will come back. Um, Bonner will get a chance. So I expect him to make a quite a lot of changes. Um, Fenner's Fenton. Plain Little P and Big AC Andy Carroll up top has to be a dream combo. No, question mark. Big man and a finisher, question mark. And today it sounds like Super Slav can't play them together. What's going on? I don't rate Arnie at all. And all this putting Antonio on the right back when we could have won on Saturday. He could have gone 4-4-2 or put Slav as a right centre-back. Love Slav, but his tactics are not really present or understandable. Come on, you irons. Yep, I agree. If there's one thing that annoys the hell out of me is the excuses Uh Slav comes out with and, and his obsession with playing people out of position. I know he said, oh, I didn't play um, Little P, Chikorito out wide, wide. He was just off the striker, but I didn't see that. Moving on. Paul Coles says, in my opinion, the football under Billage is no better than Fat Sam. Do you think Billage's departure at the end of the season is inevitable? In a word, yes. Uh, I don't think it's as bad as Big Sam. But uh, I do think his departure is inevitable uh, when we get to the end of the season. I don't see him getting a new contract. John Borham says, uh, Hope you talk about the madness of having one Premier League's of best poachers, yet Billich keeps on playing him on the left wing. Well, we've just discussed that. Uh, he says he doesn't play him on the left wing. He's just off the striker. So is he blaming uh, Hernandez there for, for playing not where he's told him to play? Or it just doesn't work? I don't know. I, I, I would probably take... You know, without a doubt, Hernandez is a fox in a box. He's just not being played right at the moment. And I think Billich has got to take the blame for that. Uh, Phil Walker says, KUMB saying Lanzini out for another month. Apart from him in Ginge, are we at full strength for Bolton and Spurs? Um, predictions, he says, 2-1 Bolton, West Ham win, and 2-1 against Spurs. Well, Phil, um, <laughs> very optimistic, particularly against Spurs. Uh, yeah, Lanzini... Is I think out for another month. Uh, Billich said itself in the press conference on on uh, Monday for the Bolton game pre pre match press conference. He said he'd only started training this week. In fact, he starts today, Tuesday, when I record this. And uh, he is gonna not. He said there's a small possibility he could be back for the Swansea game, but the likely is he'll be back after the international break, which is actually the 15th of October. 
So that's the likelihood. And considering it's mid-September now, he probably is out for another month. So uh, yes, Phil, KUMB, I think are following what um, what Billage said in his press conference. So yeah, it looks like he's out for another month. And, and if anything, Billage is optimistic, saying he'll be back for the Swansea game. Roy Francis says, Hi chaps, was at the Hall phones on Saturday. Do you agree with me that Ben Foster should have been sent off? Or is it like the match of the day pundit said that yellow card was the right decision? Well, I haven't seen a replay of this. I saw it live. Um, we did talk about it on the podcast. I think it would have been harsh for sending off, but I have seen them given. Um, so, you know, the match of the day pundits always think they've got. But it could have gone either way. Um, but it is what it is. Uh, respect the point. Ed Hawthorne says, What is saltier, the popcorn at the London Stadium or Nigel's thoughts about the London Stadium? Um, I'm not sure I get that. Um, well, actually, the, the popcorn at the London Stadium is quite sweet. I think it's that caramel stuff uh, rather than the salty stuff. I don't know. I've not tasted it. Um, and I don't, I don't want to taste anything of Nigel's, thank you very much. So I'd like to go for... I, I don't understand the question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to answer it. Uh, and finally, David White says, would you like to see time given to fringe players tomorrow night? So he's obviously talking about Bolton. No, I'd like to win it. Uh, I don't think there's time for fringe players. And I don't consider Declan Rice a fringe player. I consider him, uh, you know, a decent player that's proved himself. So I, I see Declan Rice playing. I don't see any other fringe players playing. I think we need to get a solid win um, and and move on from there because you know we we let's be honest you know we we've had one win just about with a bit of luck we've had one ball fest which we got a point we had a, a little game against Cheltenham we won two 0 so we really could do tonight with a Bolton game before we spe- uh, play Spurs uh, of coming up with a with a decent win. Um, I think that's about it for today without without anyone else to talk to. I guess we've just got to do predictions and I've got to do my own predictions because uh, we didn't get time to get them from Nigel or uh, John. So um, I will say that Bolton, um, I think they'll play to try and stop us playing our game, Bolton. They're not doing too well, if I remember, in the, in their own league. So I will go... 2-0 uh, West Ham tonight against Bolton. Spurs on Saturday. This is a difficult one. I am going to say... My heart says a win. My head says a draw. So I'm going to go... My my heart says a 1-0 win uh, with Little P scoring the winner. And my head says... A nil-nil draw. We stop them playing their game and do what Bolton, uh, sorry, West Brom did to us, and they get frustrated. They have lots of chances, uh, but our back four, or back three, or back five stay steady, and um, yeah, let's let's hope we win. That's it from me. Um, I've been Sean. Nigel was here, but now gone. John was here, but now gone. We, you heard. Um, George is in Menorca, Mallorca. Um, we are back next week, hopefully with less technical problems. All this to say is me is, come on, you irons. Bye.
will be more, more than just a podcast. We'll be more, more than just a podcast. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. 